1: this is a test this station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system this is only a test of all these opinions this is the one that continues to blindside
0: me dumbfound me gobsmack me thunderstrike me blasphemy absolute blasphemy okay it's happening
1: everybody stay calm what's the procedure everyone what's the procedure stay calm
0: This is the Overreaction Podcast. I am Chase. With me, as always, my man, Cody. Happy 2024. How is everything going for you tonight, man?
1: It's been going good. Good getting back into the groove of actually working again, being a functional human for the last couple of yeah. weeks. A Nice, nice relaxing work environment, too, after getting through all of the deadlines that we had to get pushed out before 2023 ended. So doing a lot better than we were at the end of the year. Glad to be back. Glad to be back into the fantasy football swing of things. We had that little bit of a break where we were still delivering pods every week, but we weren't jumping on the actual microphone every week. So good to get back into a little bit of the swing of things, back here on the Monday nights, like always, and get these yes, out sir. to you on tuesday mornings for the overreactions we still got monday night football this week this is going to be our last week of monday night football right so we won't have to do these after the games anymore
0: yeah we'll, we'll have it we'll have all the information having an additional day to absorb it all uh so we will get to dive into our you know I, I guess you've dubbed this and i love it the super embarrassing wild card weekend uh so we'll get into to some of this this week as well as, you know, coaching changes, things like that. A lot lot of uh, things have changed in the landscape, and it does impact us in fantasy. And so, um, in fact, it probably impacts many of us more than you probably can even realize. So uh, we'll get into some of that as well. Big thing I want to make sure we point out, make sure you go over to DestinationDebbie.com, and for $1, if you use promo code TXS, you will get access to the Trinity Tracker for the rest of the month for only $1 dollar will be the best dollar you spend hands down have to go do that again destinationdebby.com promo code txs to get access to the trinity tracker for one dollar for the rest of the month so have to do that and uh, make sure you find a tier that's best for you as well you have non-stop access to the content creators if you are in the dti5 and and heisman uh, communities that's where you're going to find everyone in voice chat you'll have access to ray and scott and us and gene and ike everybody so uh make sure you do join and find the tier that's right for you but yeah man let's uh kick things off unless there's anything else you wanted to touch on before we do
1: no i I, that one dollar i just want to touch on that one dollar deal real quick i mean i don't know what else in the world you can buy for a dollar right now like maybe a single pixie stick i mean maybe if you go to does dollar general even have anything for a dollar anymore i don't know but yeah i mean you spend five minutes on that site with the trinity tracker and you've definitely used $1 worth of value out of that thing. So one of the best values you can have other than what you just talked about, Heisman is probably the second best value you can have <laughs> a little bit more expensive every month, but for the value you get out of it by having access to everybody and all of the minds, not even just the creators, but everybody else in the community as well. They are awesome and give great insight and feedback and to everybody. It's a community community community. community. That is our two very interesting words to put together, but we can move on from that and actually get into some of these overreactions to what we saw over the weekend on the football field. And like, I, like you said, I've dubbed this thing super embarrassing wildcard weekend. It is no longer super Wild Card weekend because it was blowout city in every one but one game.
0: Yeah, we'll start off with with, uh, the the hometown team here and start off with your Houston Texans. And uh, I think everyone thought this might be a competitive game. We could see a a world in which the uh, the Texans can win this, you know, having a home playoff game. And I just I don't no one saw this coming. No one saw 45 to 14. C.J. Stroud just planted his flag, just showing the world this is one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. And uh, for anyone that had doubts about him going into this year, have officially shut the door on that. So C.J. Stroud, 274 yards, three touchdowns in the air. And uh, yeah, it was just a total blowout, total blowout.
1: It was an insane game to watch, especially as a Houston Texans fan. (laughs) And as a person who was one of the biggest doubters of C.J. Stroud coming in, did not like the pick, the draft selection, the trade to do everything that eventually got him here. And just put foot in my mouth continuously all the way through the season. I have been shut up. I have been proved wrong. Obviously, you know, quarterback evaluation may not be it for me once they, at least coming out from college. Cause man, one of my biggest misses of the year was how good CJ Stroud has been with this team. This team's incredible, man. Like you came into the season hoping for a six or seven game winning season, and yeah. we would have been very happy in Houston. And to now be one of the eight last remaining teams to be surviving longer than the team you traded all these picks or you got all these picks from in the Sean Watson trade, you're outlasting the Cleveland Browns, who everybody was giving them crap for for trading away that pick instead of their own in the trade. Now is a better pick. Actually, they made the right decision there, outlasting the other team in the state that we'll talk about later as well. Man, it was a incredible game. Honestly, defense shut this one away. Joe Flacco kind of turned back into that pumpkin in the second half. Two pick sixes to start off the second half is a pretty tough way to start off the second half and hard to overcome. But an absolute route. An absolute route. It was close in the first half. And then C.J. Stroud just continued to do what C.J. Stroud's been doing pretty much all year long. Incredible, incredible showing that this Texans team has done all year long. Icing on the cake at this point. We're playing with free money, and I just want
0: to see how far this thing goes. Yeah, I know. I know you'd be excited. You, you, your your hometown team's winning it, and then uh, you, you advance to the next round, and you know you, you got a shot. You always have a shot. So, uh, congrats to Houston. The, the the interesting thing here, you know, I again, I am want to play this out real quick. Cleveland Browns against the Houston Texans. I wish Deshaun Watson was around for this game. Just, just imagine this playoff game with with the trade that you just mentioned, and like how much additional things would be on the line, just as far as pride and emotion going into it. But yeah, no. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. The big things I want to kind of highlight is some receiving options that were uh, kind of highlighted on both of these teams, and I want to start off with the the Cleveland Browns. I know Joe Flacco's been the quarterback here, and we'll see how this adjusts, but there were 17 targets to the tight end position. 17 targets to the tight end position. David and Joku had 11 Harris and Bryant had six. And both of those are the two leading receivers on that team. Um I know Titan doesn't really matter as much in fantasy anymore because you can have Harrison Bryant and you would have had yourself a nice four for 65, which in most Titan premiums is going to get you, you know, in that 12 to 13 point range easily. And if you have a heavy premium, even more so. But David Njoku has gone absolutely off the second half of the year and even into the playoffs and has, you know, in terms of dynasty and for fantasy has significantly you know, improved his value. Are you trading away David and Joku at this point, or do you think this is something that he can sustain? And, and he's finally like you know reached that uh, that potential we all thought he could.
1: I mean, obviously, unfortunately, he's been doing this with Joe Flacco, and he wasn't exactly doing it with Deshaun Watson at the beginning of the year, even though he was still good and serviceable. He was more of just the mid-range tight end uh, we've all come to know uh, over the over the course of the years. He wasn't doing anything special at the time, but I don't think I'm trading him away. Like, can he be? what we always thought Dallas Goddard was going to be and just sit at this tight end five, tight end six. I think he can sit there and do that year over year. I don't have any reason to think that he can't do that with the way that he's been playing. You were talking about the tight ends in this matchup. I mean, Derek Stingley absolutely just clamped down the injured Amari Cooper. Don't know how much that injury was affecting him, but there was nothing Amari Cooper could do. Their second best wide receiver was then David Bell in the game. (laughs) <laughs> um yeah, you're gonna have to throw it to David Njoku and Harrison Bryant, whenever those are your two of your best three receiving options on the field for the game, which contributed in a large part to the win. So yeah, I, I mean if you if you're gonna start launching him up into the same range as like a Mark Andrews, then sure, I'll sell. But I don't think people are gonna be paying an absolute insane price right now for David Njoku. He's still tight end seven on KTC right now, in between Kyle Pitts and Travis Kelsey. If you're going to ask me whether who I'd rather have out of those three, uh, it's going to be David and Joku. So, if you start seeing the crazy prices, like you know what people could potentially think of as the Trey McBride, Dalton Kincaid, and launching him up into that range, then yeah, I'll trade him. But I don't think that's going to be the normal sentiment just because of what we have seen. There's he's not doing it with his main quarterback, at least that we project for 24.
0: Well, then let's get into a player who is doing it with his projected quarterback in 2024. Um, That is going to be one, Nico Collins, who will be hitting his last year of his contract with the Houston Texans going into 2024. So he has one year left. No contract extension yet, but it's still definitely a possibility with how he's done this year and, and really how this offense has looked as a whole. Are you buying into the nico collins hype is this uh is this going to be is you know he's he was healthy for the most part he did you know did get a little bit banged up but no significant injuries get knock on wood but we that was always been a big thing is durability for him and availability when he is available though absolute stud so nico collins wide receiver what for you in dynasty I'd have to go
1: through see exactly where he's at, but he's gonna to be top fifteen, man. Um I think he, I think he's gonna be in the top fifteen. Looking on KTC right now, he's wide receiver eleven in between Brandon Ayuk and Jalen Waddle.
0: I mean, we've seen all the polls coming out right now, like Nico Collins or Jalen Waddle. Nico Collins right. or or Chris Olave. Um, you know, yep. there's a lot of those names. It's it's all that all those wide receiver two guys that just, you know, we we want to project them up into a higher range because we think that they're super talented, but Nico Collins is the actual one on his own team. Like, and he's putting up numbers to show that. And he is
1: right now. And I think that comes to what the conversation is actually going to lean into, of whether you think you can pay in at that price and buy in at that price or not, which is do the Texans actually feel like they need to add another wide receiver and do they add another wide receiver to this wide receiver core in 2024? I don't, think they're going to go out and add somebody like the T Higgins one. I think T Higgins is going to end up staying in Cincinnati, but I don't think they had a one here. Like Nico Collins is your one. Like he's proven that over the first year with CJ Stroud here, you've still got tank Dell to run out of the slot. And then you've got Noah Brown potentially coming back on the other side. If they bring in, I do think they need to bring in somebody to kind of replace like a Robert Woods role, and maybe something better than something better and more healthy than Noah Brown because he just landed back on injured reserve with another shoulder injury right after he just came back, so he just can't stay healthy. But I don't think they add a number. I don't think they add a true like number one wide receiver. I don't think they do, and I think Nico Collins stays the one here. So I would be more on the train if that he does deserve this kind of top fifteen ranking in dynasty right now.
0: Yeah, I think we we can definitely see that uh, this upcoming season. I don't know that I'm willing to buy in at that price. I think that's where my struggle is with with Nico's like buying at that current price of you know wide receiver eleven to fifteen, uh, because people do you know everything we've seen from him has been phenomenal, and it, it is still a I, I wonder if the Texans are going to ride it out one more year and then decide to make a, a decision for him versus extending him this off season, uh, and then you know who knows what can happen with Nico Collins. Like I, I, again, great talent we've seen him do awesome things with C.J. Stroud, but uh, beyond 2024, and I know we're in a short-term dynasty window, but beyond 2024, I'm like, I just don't know that I want to buy in at the prices that people are going to want this offseason. They're going to want, you know, Brandon IU prices, and we've seen that everyone wants like a first and a second for that, and I just don't know that I'm willing to give up that for for Nico. That's just me, but uh, again, situation to monitor as free agency goes on. Anything else you want to touch on with this game?
1: Only thing that I'll go into on the other side of the football real quick. What's your outlook for Joe Flacco? Do you think he has a starting role somewhere in 2024? I think he starts games in 2024, but I still have a little bit of hesitancy saying that he's a starter week one, 2024.
0: Agreed. Starter, like he's going to have an opportunity to start at some point. But week one, like a team is saying, this is our guy. Ooh. That's a, that's a tough one. I could see it being a situation where maybe it's a rookie quarterback on a team and then they sign Flacco as a veteran presence and, and maybe Flacco gets rolled out the first few weeks. Right. It is a possibly starter week one. On the other side, I could see him wanting an actual starting job, waiting for the plethora of quarterback injuries that we've seen year over year and then taking his pick of, of the position that, uh, of what he wants. So Joe Flacco will be will be employed next year. He will be employed next year.
1: Yeah, I do think he will as well. He's definitely going to have that role. I was just saying, looking at that turnover ratio, touchdown to interception ratio, 13 to eight, not as bad as I actually thought it was in that 2023 season, but I think he just added those uh, playoff stats to that as well, and that might, have, might start to hamper him a little bit more, but I think that's just Joe Flacco's, Like I, he's serviceable enough, and I think that more than likely it will probably be what you said of like, hey, we Veteran presidents bring him in for a couple games to start in front of a rookie or just in a kind of middling QB battle for the majority of 2024 with another guy. But coming in and saying, like, Joe Flacco's our guy and we have uh, Zach Wilson as our backup, you know, that I don't know if that's going to be <laughs> no. your best bet to
0: try to compete in 2024. No, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, let's get into the, the cold game of of Saturday which was the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins and we all talk about it all the time. Miami Dolphins not only do they not play well when they play good competition, but they also really struggle in the cold and they struggled mightily in the cold. Tua did not play all that well. 20 to 39 for 199 yards, touchdown and a pick. Um really the nothing really significant in terms of stats or anything dynasty wise. The Chiefs went out, did their thing, played good defense. Rasheed Rice is probably the only thing of note here yep. uh, to 12 targets, eight receptions, 130 yards and a touchdown. He is also another guy talking about a Nico Collins type where this is year one for him though. And it seems like he's emerged pretty clearly as the number one option on this team, even with Travis Kelsey still around. Yes, he
1: has. And this is where I differ between the Nico Collins take that I just gave out for the last team because I do think they have a decent wide receiver core behind Nico Collins. Kansas City Chiefs don't. They still drop, yeah. uh, still had most drops in the league. It was still awful to watch. Michael Hardman still runs a deep route. The ball drops right in between his hands and he just refuses to put him out and catch the ball. It's just amazing what every other how bad every other wide receiver on this team has been. And so I do think that this is a team, like let's say... Oh, right now they're actually a lot better and he probably he might end up re signing, but like Mike Evans on a contract year. Like I would love to see a Mike Evans go to a place <laughs> like Kansas City or a D hop even like what they probably should have done this year and didn't end up doing to to kind of help their offense co- contribute this year. I think they bring somebody else in, but I still love Rasheed Rice. I do think that somebody else coming in, as well as I don't think there's any way Travis Kelsey's retiring from everything that he's been saying yeah. coming out about him right now. I do think that that one hampers the immediate upside of Rasheed Rice going into 24. Like I don't see Rasheed Rice getting 20% better than he was as a rookie next year with Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't see that type of evolution coming for him because I do think that there's a 1A, 1B type of situation with somebody else coming into this offense.
0: And that's totally fair. I mean, Rasheed Rice, 80, 79 catches, 938 yards, seven touchdowns, like very good rookie season. I can see consistency across the board being, being something that's available for him uh, because it was a little bit choppy at at the start of the season, but really came into his own. I I mean, what, he had 12 targets out of the 34 or or 41 pass attempts. So, I mean, he's, he's in that, you know, high 20% range for target share And everything we've seen from the Trinity tracker has shown that he is, is a very, very good player. So he's, I don't know that he's going to necessarily like, they're not going to draft a one or they're not going to bring in a one. I think that's the whole thing. I think they're, they, they have shown every single year that they just continue to draft players and like, eventually they'll get it right. I don't know that the free agent market is going to be there enough for them to bring somebody in, especially if Mike Evans, like he, that's the one, right? Like Mike Evans, maybe, you know, everyone talks about Keenan Allen becoming a free agent, potentially like there's still names out there that you could see D hop um, coming in. I don't know that it just takes away from Rasheed Rice. Significantly, but could it push him into just a just a wide receiver too, where he's in that replaceable range or in that kind of flat tier? Absolutely. So that is definitely something to to kind of keep our eyes on. And I I agree with you wholeheartedly that this situation more than Houston would be one to to definitely keep an eye on. But the, the way the Chiefs have, have operated in years past, they just keep dra- throwing throwing second-round picks at a, at, a, at a wide receiver, and this is a very deep wide receiver class where they can bring another one in and, and just take another shot. Uh, you know, Obviously, Skymore didn't necessarily pan out the way that they, that they wanted, but maybe their second-round pick this year will. So uh, I, they will bring in somebody. They're not rolling this back out there with the, the amount of drops that they had and the inconsistency that they've had from that wide receiver position. So that's about the only one I really wanted to dive into – in either of these teams nothing really is going to change Mostert potentially if you know uh that role of the running back room changing but i'm not going to talk about running backs in january like i just don't care
1: Mostert probably isn't the one to be talking about in january Maybe.
0: Even if you talk about A. Chan, like it's like, oh well, Miami might bring in a most replacement. Like right now, I don't care, Isaiah Pacheco. Oh, he got twenty four carries in the playoffs. Maybe he's going to be, you know, the Kyron Williams of this offense. You know what? I, he I was don't Kyron
1: Williams for this offense the
0: entire he, he year. He was. He was He absolutely <laughs> but at, was.
1: Only other thing to talk about Loa, not getting a contract oh, yes. extension this uh, year. Yes. I, I don't think that that's happening. I don't think that he's going to get one this year. Is he the still the future? Is he still the future quarterback of the Miami Dolphins? Though yes, and he has like he's going to be the, I, I don't see. There's no reason like just from this game and from the somewhat of the struggles that he did have. I don't think that there's any way that they're even remotely thinking about moving on from Tua.
0: I think they throw a contract at him and try to get him on a Danny Dimes type deal. I, I think that's what they try to do because in two to three years it'll be a budget, it'll be a value. If Tua goes out next year, absolutely crushes and, and just continues to evolve with this offense, then he's going to command a lot more money. We're going to have other quarterback signings, markets reset, yada yada yada. You know the drill. Um, and I just, I, I think Miami's going to try. Worst case scenario, he they they can they have the option to to tag and things like that, but. I, I I think they try. I think they try, and I think Tua with with his history, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he accepted a, a short term three year type of deal where he can try to renegotiate after two years type of thing. Where it's like, look, I, I've I've out I've outperformed my contract. Give me my money. And that's what quarterback is the one position that can actually do that. Everyone else, it's like, hey, look, you, you provided for us at the running back position. You've done really well, but we're not going to pay you anymore quarterback if he plays really well he can renegotiate and and, you know get an extension so
1: yeah you're gonna do everything you can to make a franchise quarterback happy if he does take a little bit more of a step in just the consistency and playing against some of the better teams yeah i don't think there's any way but i do think there is a scenario where like doesn't take the contract and it turns into a little bit of a lamar situation of last year um we'll see how it plays out but i i I still don't have work like i'm not using that situation though to devalue to at all I still yeah.
0: think he's right Agreed. there, right around that QB 12. Agreed. Agreed. He'll, uh, he'll have a, a job in the NFL as long as uh, the, the, the fears from last year. And and I mean, by 2022 of his concussions don't uh, come back up. Uh, he stayed healthy this year, which was outstanding. Great to see. And hopefully those kind of issues are are put to rest for him as a player. And then that will only help for, for fantasy for, for us as well. So, um, let's dive into the Sunday slate, looking at the LA Rams and the Detroit lions, who we, this was a fun game. This is a great storyline here. Cause Detroit hadn't been in, you know, hadn't won a playoff game. What was it since 1991 on the flip side? You have, you have the quarterback situation for both of these guys golf traded for, you know, Stafford. So they just switched teams. Stafford won his Super Bowl. Just a great storyline to all of this. Puka, the young and upcoming wide receiver against Amon Ra. Like I know they don't play against each other, but the storyline was fun. Competitive game, 24-23. Really, where do you want to look at? Is there anything that you want to kind of highlight here in this game in terms of fantasy?
1: uh just no not not fantasy first I just got to give a shout out to the script writers on this one because like you said it was just a perfect perfect script for everything to go on here and I, I know they forget what year it was that they won their last playoff games for the lines but I know the stat was they have only won one playoff game in the last 65 years so I know oh. I know that one and now they've won two so congratulations to the Detroit Lions love that from my guy Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn as well so um,
0: I- I want to touch on storylines real quick here. I mentioned I mentioned Cleveland and Houston. You know, Watson just wasn't there. You have this one with with the Rams. You had know, Tyreek going back to to Arrowhead. Yep. You have you have the Buccaneers and Philly, which was has been a competitive playoff game. Over you know are not competitive, but uh, has been like storyline in the playoffs. And then obviously the Packers and the Cowboys historically just. interest writers were in their
1: bag here. <laughs> they were in their win. bag for twenty twenty three.
0: Uh, anyways all right go on go on go on anything else uh really stand out to you from this performance here
1: i mean as much as as much as this was by far the best game that we saw all of the weekend i think this one gives us pretty much the least to actually take away from it um all of the players who we know are good were very good in the game the quarterbacks very good at throwing the ball and they're going to be quarterback twos going into next year as well i don't yep. think there's that much there like puka nakua absolutely balling out uh it, maybe uh, you want to talk about how high we have puka nakua right now like is he going to like i think i saw him go like a wide receiver four in a startup here over the past couple of days um and i understand i understand it in a way like it's crazy to say that i understand it but um man it absolutely absolutely wild what that dude's done in his rookie season but really I don't have too many other takeaways from this game. The players that are good, we're good.
0: Yep. Agreed. I, I don't really want to touch on anything in this one. Cooper cup, uh, you know, kind of, he's, he's been kind of gone basically the second half of the season. He had a couple good games here and there, but uh five for 27 on his nine targets is age getting to him. We'll, we'll find out uh, truly, but is, is he going to be a buy for you this off season? Given the fact that he, you know, is 31 probably can get him pretty cheap. And if he does play well and is healthy in this consolidated target offense, you could see some smash weeks from Cooper Cup.
1: It depends on how cheap he gets, right? Um, If he gets down to, like, Adam Thielen cheap, yes, I'm buying Cooper Cup.
0: Single second?
1: Backer later end, probably. Like, if he gets to, like... Two two ten something like that, yeah. But more than like <laughs> more than likely, um, I don't think the price is going to get low enough. We'll see. Okay. Uh, with with Puknakuia taking over, it it could it could end up being like everybody starts to look at. Cooper Cup like he's Adam Thielen and if that's the price I'll buy but um, the the single second I'll buy but it'll have to be probably more of a back end and on the specific teams where that's actually something that's feasible um, we do have one actual takeaway from this game though as I was looking through it did forget unfortunately it looks like Tyler Higbee did tear his ACL yes. in this game uh, and that's a very late in the season ACL best most realistic timeline is he's right at the beginning of the season to come back from that thing more than likely going on pup. Um, And he's older now too. I think he's like 30, 31 actually, which it doesn't feel like Tyler Higby is that old for some reason to me, but he is. Um, So Davis Allen is the next best tight end on the roster right now. So go pick up some Davis Allen. Yeah. Again, it's
0: it's just one of those things where because it happened at the end of the season, now you have the off season uh, that tight end room could change significantly. Uh, given just just injury and like they'll need to add a body there for sure. Is it a significant body or not will be kind of TBD. But uh yeah, right now Allen is the ad. If you can find him on waivers, might as well hold him and see what happens. And uh you'll know you'll know if they bring in somebody else of, of significant name to just put him right back on waivers where you found him. So exactly. uh, if you have that roster spot, go right on ahead and, and do it. Then uh, you want to get to Green Bay and Dallas, the, the fun one for the weekend?
1: If I can get my mouse to work, I'll be there with you. So you go ahead.
0: All right. Perfect. So Green Bay Packers obviously blew the doors off the Dallas Cowboys. The, the score doesn't even really do it justice, but it was 48-32. Um, and Jordan Love went out there, two, or, yeah, 272, three touchdowns. Aaron Jones looked like vintage Aaron Jones, finally healthy, 118 yards and three tutters. Uh, so he he looks phenomenal. Romeo Dobbs, you just never know which week what wide receiver is actually going to go off, and it was Romeo's week. So 151 for him and a touchdown, but the distribution across the board uh, targets to, what, 10 different players. So this is what you expect out of the Green Bay offense, and uh, I think everyone talked about this storyline. Dallas Cowboys had questionable run defense. I know Hankins was back, but truly it just came down to it looked like the Packers showed up. It just looked like the Packers showed up right from the jump and got got up early and that they they shut the door quick. So
1: absolutely fantastic to see that Aaron Jones was back and healthy at the end of the season after yeah. he's been struggling kind of like all season long. Good to see some vintage Aaron Jones before we get out of the 2023 season and into 2024 shows that he's still got it and still got some juice left as long as he can stay healthy, which he obviously wasn't for long stretches of this of this year. Like you said, though, it's a, it's a lot of by committee at the wide receiver position. Even though we have seen kind of an ascension from Jaden Reed, there are still just going to be games where it's a Romeo Dobbs game, and then maybe if he's healthy, it's a Christian Watson game, and then Dontavian Wicks will go out there. Bo Melton, Malik Heath could get in there too. Okay. And then even worse at the tight end, while both of these guys are healthy, now it's Tucker Craft and um, Luke Musk Musgrave. Yeah, yeah both <laughs> both splitting the workload in the tight end room. Jaden Reed's the one I want out of anybody in the offense for sure, but everybody else, you start getting into. It's hard to it's hard to put them into a weekly into a lineup week over week because you just don't know what the variance is going to play out. Except for the fact that Jordan Love is probably just going to be good in the game.
0: Let's keep it on Jordan Love real quick here. I know we, we kind of took a little bit of time on on these games. Well, not a whole lot to jump into in the other ones, but uh, Jordan Love, top twelve QB worthy right now this is his first full year starter first full year of a starting uh what he had 4100 yards 32 passing touchdowns so he's been really good i think he had another four touchdowns on the ground he's executed this offense perfectly and i don't know like what the ceiling is if there's a whole lot more upside maybe there is but if he's this what from what we got this year if this is just consistent year in and year out, Jordan Love. He's got to be a top 12 quarterback.
1: He's going to be right up there with the uh, Dak Prescott's, Brock Purdy's. I mean, you want him or Trevor Lawrence right now. Yeah. I, I'm very much be leaning Jordan Love from what he's shown me, Man. especially with the ground game involved as well with what he came in and what he, what he did this season with, where I think it was the, there was only 47 catches at the wide receiver position coming into yeah. the year. Like the, the, an incredibly young, inexperienced group was able to put this together under Mike LaFleur. And um, it's it's been incredible what he's done this year. But kind of like you said, we were talking about this one a little bit before the show in the Heisman uh, Heisman chat. What is really like the ascension? What's the next level and the step up? Because we've seen this with Rodgers a lot of the time in the same exact, exact system where it's based on a ton of efficiency the the passing numbers are probably not going to be there from just a pure volume aspect and he threw the ball 575 times almost this season does that number is that number able to get up to 600 620 to really elevate him up because all of his secondary numbers are really good right now except for i think his yards per attempt yards per completion was a little bit down only passing for that 4100 yards maybe that can get up to like 4500 but it's hard to start getting up to 37, 40 touchdowns. If you're trying to project the ascension of Jordan love, I think it's probably going to sit a lot of like what we saw this year, except for maybe we can take out a couple of those down weeks throughout the season. And those down stretches that we saw in the middle, I think there's a little bit of room for improvement here, but I do think he's probably right there at that quarterback 12, but does he have the ability to jump up further than that into that? Like Joe burrow range. I don't know if that exists.
0: Yeah, I, I really do like Jordan Love. I, I I cautiously optimistic. Seems like he's a good fit for the team, good fit for the system. He's obviously been around it for a while and this is kind of how the Packers have, have done it in years past. I'm not going to say he's Aaron Rodgers, but uh, Aaron Rodgers sat, you know, did his time. Jordan Love did his time and with a young group of wide receivers if he can just be this, he's going to be, the thing is is we're looking at it obviously from a fantasy perspective saying he's a top 12 quarterback, but the NFL is looking at him and just saying this dude is good. Like he just won a playoff game against one of, I know that they've been banged up, but one of the best teams in football is the two seed first ever seven seed winning a playoff game and And routing them too, and it wasn't even in doubt. And so, he's going to be a good enough NFL quarterback to, to get a contract extension. He's going to be the quarterback of the green Bay Packers for, for the foreseeable future. I, there's a, barring catastrophe. There's, I don't think there's any way that they let Jordan love walk after what they what they No, done you here.
1: can't, you, you pay him whatever you pay him, whatever he wants after the, after the season that he's, Put up. like you would love to pay C.J. Stroud where C.J. Stroud would love to make whatever he wants, but he's unavailable to for the next three years. <laughs> Jordan Love is actually available for that contract extension whenever they want to give it to him. And he can kind of force the Packers hand into doing it. But the team's so young, they can afford to do it as well. They just yep. need to get a lot better and a lot more consistent on defense. And uh, they're going to be a very good football team with Jordan Love.
0: Yep. So then let's get into the Monday night games here so we can get into some coaching tree uh, coaching changes as well. Bills beat the Steelers, it, you know, game was was pushed due to snow. Thankfully, it was because it would have been a disgusting game to to watch. Maybe it would have been fun and entertaining for TV. But uh, based on what we saw with some some camera angles, you could barely see the field through the snow. So, uh, yeah, I'm really glad they moved it to Monday. Josh Allen's really good at football. Uh, <laughs> nothing. QB so. one. Yep, QB1, nothing to change there. There's really nothing to touch on with Pittsburgh, in my opinion. Backup, I mean, I don't even know what to say backup quarterback. Just a Steelers team we're just gonna go with. And then receiving wise for for Buffalo, you know, Dalton Kincaid did his thing. Stephon Diggs got involved. This is just what you expected from this game, and pretty much the score I kind of anticipated too. Just Bills by two touchers.
1: Yeah, kind of played out exactly how everybody thought this one would. Steelers hang around for a little bit, but the offensive prowess falls apart with Mason Rudolph being your uh, quarterback. It's not December anymore for Rudolph. And um, the other the other thing, hey, Khalil Shakir, that play was awesome. I love myself some Khalil Shakir, obviously only a best ball guy but I would love to see him kind of develop into like a Cole Beasley role for Josh Allen. And I think he could do that. You know, he's still still in his rookie year right now and he's flashed at times. He just needs to be a little bit more involved in the in the scheme and the system consistently. I don't think it happens, but it's good to see that Josh Allen does have at least one other role player here that he can rely on other than just the digs and Gabe Davis was out in this game, which probably meant Shakira got some more playing time. But Kincaid stepped up. Knox is still out there making plays as well. The team's gabe good davis. they haven't been they haven't been good for the entirety of the year but this st- is still one of the best teams in football whenever they decide
0: to play gabe davis is a free agent too so yeah. the opportunities there it depends on what obviously buffalo wants to do this off season if they draft or bring somebody else in but uh there is the opportunity for shakira I keep calling Shakira. Yes. Thanks to you, uh, Shakira, to, to have a have a role in this offense going forward, uh, whatever that may be. Obviously, Gabe and him do different things. but
1: And uh, whenever Gabe Davis gets a Alan Lazard-like contract and everybody wants to freak out that it's such a horrible uh-huh. contract, um, it's because he's a very good player outside of just catching the ball as well. He does a lot of other things, just like Alan Lazard did a lot of other things for the Packers in terms of blocking, run schemes, everything like that. Gabe Davis got a game ball without catching a pass because he was so involved in the run blocking aspect of the game. So while he might not be great for fantasy every single week, he does a lot more for the NFL team. So whenever he gets the big contract that he's going to get this off
0: season, just don't be surprised. It's a trap. That's what it is. Like it's an absolute trap. So yep. With you, he's going to get some, he's going to get a contract to go somewhere and we're going to think it's going to be spectacular and it's just not. So, uh, that's Gabe Davis for you. anything else you want to touch on in this one, or should we just get into the routing of the night?
1: I don't got anything other than George Pickens is still a problem. And it's not a good way. Or,
0: okay. Oh. <laughs> I was like, hold on good way. I mean, that that'll be a conversation for another day. The, 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 Trinity on him and just some different things with George Pickens. He's a good NFL. He's a very good football player. Yeah. Yeah. Conversation for, for another time for sure. Cause a uh, little, little interest in that one. So, bookmark table it yep we'll get long off season talk for sure all right final game of the night here the completely falling apart before our eyes philadelphia eagles uh got routed another route theme of the night by the tampa bay bucks i i don't even want to talk about this like obviously smitty went off he, he played phenomenally but uh, eight for one forty-eight doesn't really matter when you get the doors blown off. Uh, Rashad White played rather well, but also the Philadelphia defense was disgustingly awful. Like, uh, I just I, other than like I don't want Patricia to have a job in the NFL. Or at least just give him a break. Just, just, just give him a year off to think about everything. Holy crap! Uh, poor Philadelphia fans. Actually, I don't feel bad for Philadelphia fans at all. Uh, sorry for, for Shane and, and Evan and all those Philly fans listening. There's a lot of Philly
1: fans in the uh, just, fantasy football not, space.
0: Don't, don't, uh, don't love Philadelphia fans in general, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm just glad we don't have to talk about the NFC East anymore. That's that's a W for the night, you know, back to the great. NFC least, yeah, exactly. <laughs> back to the NFC least. Uh, obviously, injuries played a lot in both of their, their issues, but hey, Un-
1: unfortunate. I mean. Yeah, the, this Philadelphia team really just fell apart throughout oh. the throughout the last month. They've just completely fallen apart. Uh, unfortunate for me, like, you know, being like uh, Kelsey having to retire on that type of a note for the team, that kind of uh, sucks. I, I do yeah. feel bad about that one. Um, but, I mean, Jalen Hurts playing through injury, A.J. Brown out. Their defense got decimated with injuries as well. Obviously, there's reasons for this team to fall apart, but not like it did where they looked like they didn't want to play football anymore, especially on the defensive side of the ball, like you talked about. Absolutely disgusting game. I don't have too many takeaways from it other than what we'll get into a little bit right after we're we're done talking about this game. So I think we can kind of table the Philadelphia side of this one. Jalen Hurt, let's just put it out there. Jalen Hurt's still a top four QB in Dynasty. I think that's probably the only question moving forward here. Me, I don't think there's any... Yeah. Worry about it. He's still got A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. Right. As long as he has that, I think he's still top four, even if they ban a tush push. And even if Kelsey retires, I think he's still probably top four.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll shift back to Philly in just a second here. We'll we'll get into exactly what you're talking about. We'll start off with that one. But uh, Baker Mayfield played very well. Uh, 337, three touchdowns. He it seems like it's more and more, you know, he's going to be back. You saw the GM, you know, coming up and giving him a hug and, and, and shaking his hand after the game. Like I think Baker's gonna be back in, in Tampa as long as Mike Evans is back. It seems like they they'll they'll try and run this this entire thing back if they can, maybe make some improvements on the defensive side. I mean, just across across the line defensive side of the ball as well. But tonight they played uh played great football, and that's pretty much all I gotta say about that.
1: Love this team. Uh, Love love the kind of story arc of Baker as well. Awesome to see him finally succeeding in a place and having the success that he's had being one of the last eight teams in in the NFL right now. Really, really cool to see Baker actually thriving. I hope that Mike Evans, as much as I would love to see him on like a Kansas City Chiefs just for fantasy purposes, he's doing pretty well here too. And I hope for Mike Evans' sake that he could become a lifelong buck. That'd be awesome to see his career fully go you know, start to finish here and just keep dominating with thousand yards and eight touchdown seasons as long as he can keep that up. Oh, love a lot about love a lot of what this team is about right now. Love to see him doing well, but like you said, I don't think there's too much takeaways other than Baker Mayfield's gonna be back next year. And I think they bring in another running back to actually run the ball effectively because Rashad Wyatt can't, even though he's a very good pass catcher.
0: We'll just keep it here. And uh, dive right in. So we mentioned the NFC least. We'll start with these two. Nick Sirianni, is he the head football coach of the Philadelphia Eagles going into next year?
1: I don't personally see how one fall apart month can break you down that much to fire the head coach that got you to the Super Bowl the year before. Did
0: they lose six of seven or something? Like it, it was it's it's, I mean, been, yes,
1: it's been awful. And there's yeah. definitely things that need to change. I would fire everybody else on the staff probably. But in that shot. It's yeah. it's hard for me to get to the point of firing the head coach at this point. It's just because of, you know, as injury stricken as they were at times. You better put. If you're Nick Sirianni, though, you better have a solid proof plan that you're coming into the GM with, uh, Roseman, right on on tomorrow. Whenever you have that exit meeting, you better provide a very good strategy of how you get this thing back on track and why you fell apart so hard. Otherwise, yeah, if you can't tell me why this team fell apart, then yeah, I'm I'm perfectly fine. But tough for me to get from a Super Bowl one year to back into the playoffs, even though it did fall apart late in the season. Tough for me to move on from one year, but I would understand it, and I understand why all these Philly fans are calling for it right now.
0: We're learning more and more in the fantasy space that coordinators matter big time. And when the Eagles lost Steichen and Gannon and some other pieces on that team in one offseason, that is a lot of turnover going from really good coaches that had a cohesive bond there's also rumors of you know Nick Sirianni just kind of locker room-wise, not necessarily being that guy. So we'll be very interesting to see if he, you know, is a head coach uh for for the team beyond this week. So uh I'm sure that news will happen fast. But I'm with you. I think that they give him the shot to to find some other replacements, but something has to change. Something absolutely has to change. He can't just go in there and be like, ah, oh, it's player personnel. We need we need new players. It's like now there's there's some definite gaps within the coaching scheme that needs to be adjusted and figured out. And uh, if you need to bring in some new coordinators, you got to do that. But I think uh, that
1: their coordinators are getting head coaching. uh, Right. Why? How? Just because he was a part of he was, you know, on the staff whenever they went to the Super Bowl. Like, I guess that's kind of the thing that normally does happen, I guess makes doesn't make sense. I don't know how you can look at what the product was on the field and think that those coordinators are ready for head coaching roles. I don't know, but um, yeah, like like you said, I mean, I, I wouldn't even be bringing, I wouldn't even be bringing your OC into your DC back and they're getting head coaching roles. So something has to change, but I don't think the overall scheme changes for Jalen hurts. And I don't think this yeah. one, like others could potentially have. I don't think that this one has a real effect on the way that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to run. This offense is built to run a single way with Jalen hurts right now. Like, You you can just go back and you just try to mimic what Steichen ran and you try to find somebody who can implement that, because I think that's the perfect way for this offense to run. You're not going to change the overall philosophy of how this offense operates year to year. I don't think I think you're going to try to find a way to just kind of recreate the magic that you had in 2022.
0: Yeah, I could see I could see some innovation within their offense. It seemed like it, it got very boring with play calls. It was kind of very stagnant. So I could see them, you know, again, keeping something similar, uh, similar style and and maybe just. Yes, you you can say kind of bringing back that stike magic, but. Uh, yeah, in the end, they just need to make a change. They need to make a change. I think this was a down year for Philadelphia and they still played really well. So right. not a whole lot of concern there, but uh, there is concern right now in Jerry's world. And we're talking about two hypotheticals here. This may or may not even happen, but the rumors going into this weekend was that Mike McCarthy's job kind of hung on how well this team did in the playoffs. Well, it lasted all of 60 minutes and the rumors of Belichick and I mean, really anybody at this point uh, might have a better opportunity of coaching next year than McCarthy is he, the head football coach of the Dallas Cowboys this one I'm a lot less confident about that I am with the Eagles <laughs> just
1: because it is Dallas right yeah Be- because it's Dallas and because it's Jerry I'd have a hard time saying McCarthy's back with, with the collapse that this team has had consistently the same way over and over and over again and nothing has ever changed. It feels the same way every single time. I'm sure everybody's seen that little graphic of like the the Dallas Cowboys trend, and it's like a five star point. And it goes, you know, we start off, we get a little bit hype, we start thinking we them boys, we go into the playoffs high, and then choke in the playoffs, and then we just repeat the cycle year over year over year. <laughs> something again, like so this is this is more of a one for me where something has to change, and it has to change at the organizational level. Like I I don't know. If just bringing in, like he was running the offense, just what has to change? What can change other than what you did this year? Yeah. And, And also what, before we get to like fully on the coaching, what was happening between Dak and CD there? I don't know if you were fully watching the game, but they just looked like they had a massive fight before the game and were completely pissed off with each other rolling into that one. It was just weird all around vibes from that
0: team. I, I i'm with you i i don't i haven't seen like the aftermath it's like there's been anything that has come out about that but very very interesting um i mean we've seen stefan Diggs in game getting upset and 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 you know being frustrated with the way that the game's gone but that's stefan Diggs, and he does that i've never <laughs> seen that from cd lamb and Dak. Hey, They they don't do it until they do it right like you know players yeah. don't do it until they do it and, and maybe this is just that first sign of like hey cd was just frustrated just letting it out just yo, like I'm a passionate player getting the doors blown off. And
1: it was on the second drive. It wasn't even like it was right. late in the game.
0: I mean, at that point they were down, but, uh, but yeah, you, you are right. It wasn't totally out of hand at that point. So just weird. Anyway, Very. it kind of
1: goes weird. into the point though of like, Maybe at the organizational level, something has to change. And I think that this one's much more likely than it is for the Philadelphia Eagles, just in my personal opinion, without really any knowledge. Obviously, we can't get inside the building and see what these guys are going through day in, day, day, in, day out and what those decisions are like. But just from the outside view and the outside scope of what we've seen from Jerry Jones and what he normally likes to do, I think that McCarthy's gone here. And what effect does that have on the offense? We're going to get a new OC, right? And whenever you get new OCs in there, if that does happen, get new OC in and things can change year over year, just like we saw with the Eagles this year. What does it look like? There's a lot of unknown whenever you get that new OC in there. Hopefully it's somebody that has a little bit of a track record to where we can try to predict what it will look like with this team. But there's always an unknown whenever you try to make that change, whether it's good or bad, um, if they determine that a change is necessary it'll definitely have a little bit of an impact on the players that are going to be playing in it.
0: Totally agree. And, and one of the leading candidates that was mentioned prior to was Bill Belichick potentially being a, a, a cowboy uh, at least potential head coach. And he left a vacancy in new England, which has already been filled. So we'll just touch on that one real fast here. Uh, we have Drod Mayo has officially been named the head coach of the new England Patriots. And, I know you have looked into the intricacies of this and it sounds like they had a secession plan. So I want to let you talk a little bit more about how exactly he's officially been hired prior to, you know, meeting all the other typical requirements for a, for a head coaching position.
1: Right. And this one, it's been reported on over the last 24 hours or so that I've really been learning about it. But basically because there's a contract in place, the, the New England Patriots, when you have a contract that details out a succession plan in place if the head coach were to leave and there's a person already on your staff that is going to fill that role, you then do not have to comply by all of the terms of, say, like the Rooney rule, which we'll get into another potential interim head coach that is moving into that role. They do still have to abide by that because they did not have a succession plan in place. The New England Patriots did because I guess they were thinking that Bill Belichick might move on here either due to age because he's probably only really chasing that uh, NFL wins record to be the winningest head coach in NFL football history. If that were to happen in the, in the two years that his contract was there for, he probably would have just given it and succeeded it over to Mayo at that point. But since that succession rule is already in place, they can just immediately hire Gerard Mayo right now. He's already the head coach. And so now it's just a matter of trying to find the staff to build around Gerard Mayo and the new England Patriots. So the interesting thing here is what they do with the GM position. Cause it's an interesting move to go from, Hey, we have our owner and our, head coach now that are going to try to find the GM to really build this thing out. Normally you go the other way around with the GM to the head coach and then build out the rest of the team. It'll be interesting to see how they kind of try to backfill in the rest of this team because uh, Gerard Mayo is on the defensive side of the ball. What does the offense look like? They obviously need a new quarterback in here. So it's going to be a completely different team. I think this team is going to go into the full nuke rebuild though. I think this is just going to be an absolute tear down of this roster. And we're going to see whatever quarterback gets here. Hopefully they can get somebody in New England to actually develop a quarterback because that hasn't been the case since Tom Brady.
0: This one, I know they've also offered the Belichicks to, to stay on on staff as well. I just don't know how much is going to change. Like, I'm really interested in, in seeing like what Mayo decides to do with this staff, with this team, and again, just in general, how they shape this team this offseason. Because it kind of feels like retread, like almost like, oh, yeah, we'll just throw another disciple out there and just hope for the best. And I would love for it to be different for New England. I would love, I mean, I, I, as much as I love and enjoy watching Patriots fans finally suffer uh, because they had such a run of like just a dynasty, a yep. true dynasty i'm happy to watch him suffer but i do want to see like things change i just i don't like seeing you know you make hedge coaching changes and things like that but you just get the same people in the building it's like what what are we doing i know you want similar mindsets things like that but i'm hope i'm hoping there's some some sort of uh reset that mayo provides for this organization
1: you don't want to see bill o'brien still hired on as the oc or josh mcdaniel's come back as
0: the oc Patricia get fired and he comes back and be, he's their defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator. Who, do, who knows what they'll decide to do.
1: Um, <laughs> Maybe he's their special teams coordinator. He tries to hold every other job. <laughs> it's his no, last chance. I, I, I don't, I don't mind the just retread here because I think the culture in the organization is still decent. It, they've just been God awful on the offensive side of the ball over the past three years and they haven't been able to find a quarterback. So I think if you get something on the offensive side of the ball here, I'm perfectly fine with it because I think the culture's still there. All those guys were still playing hard. Patriots were in a lot of games that they should not have been in the entirety of the year. The defense was still good. And I think the culture's still there for the Patriots. We can see we'll have to see if Gerard Mayo can keep it, but but by all accounts, he's definitely like a Belichick kind of guy, just younger and a little bit of a different way to do it. I think this one really just depends on what you do on the offensive side of the ball. Cause I'm with you. What I don't want to see is a retread on the offensive side of the ball of a Bill O'Brien or a Josh McDaniels back in there. Yep.
0: That's a, a situation. I'm I'm probably avoiding going it's into 2024. brand new. Yeah. Yeah. Every, everything's gonna be brand new. It could, like you said, it could be a total just rebuild um, potential for that, that team. N- not really excited about anything. So uh, for all of us, Marvin Harrison lovers, just hope and pray. That, it,
1: uh, it could be to Demi- it could be D'Amico Ryans comes in with the Maybe. Houston Texans that everybody hated and it was the Maybe. worst situation in football and everything sucks there and they can't develop anything and then they get a head coach and a quarterback in there and it all turns around and they go to the playoffs again it brand new I it's going to be incredibly fascinating to watch but it's going to be
0: incredibly hard to predict as well Agreed. Agreed. Another team with some sort of excitement coming into this offseason uh, is, is the Washington commanders. You know, they, they have a high draft pick and it sounds like they are targeting Ben Johnson to be their heir apparent to Rivera, who should have been fired two years ago. But uh, we, we're, we are where we are. We're not going to dwell on the past. Right. Like we have we have ownership changes. We have we have overall organization changes. Now it is time for a head coaching change they have decent pieces on this team i know we don't have anything official but i love the fact that they are looking offensive minded i know they're interviewing some defensive minded coaches as well but if ben johnson does end up going to washington with some of the weapons that they do have if everyone does stick around and they get a quarterback i'm going to be cautiously optimistic I, I think it's because i love ben johnson and what he's done but i might actually i mean I, I'm going to invest in some some commanders this offseason season if uh, if they do get themselves Ben Johnson.
1: Yeah, yeah. do you, do you still have any hope of you know my my guy that I was hyped on for potentially coming running it back in 2024 do they run it back with the new quarterback do they roll sam howe back out there i would uh i would like to retract previous statements that <laughs> sam howe is going to be the starter in 2024 i'm going to retract those statements because yeah i think they uh i think they bring in a quarterback they they have the number two overall pick right now and there's rumors about them trying to move, move up to one for caleb already if they do get ben johnson in there so he got yeah. it. I'd like to remove previous statements about Sam L being the quarterback in 2024. Those were wrong. I will admit, fully admit to those mistakes. And love if they do get that. You know, if they do get a Ben Johnson in there, love to see what the offense does. Especially, you know, like you said, with the weapons that they do have. But the team wasn't good. The offensive line wasn't good. There's still a lot to fix there, and it'll yeah. depend on development of the quarterback. But we do have trust in Ben Johnson. We still haven't seen him as a head coach, though. So a lot of a lot of times. These offensive coordinators, they change a lot whenever they get some more responsibility. I'm not going to go into it thinking it's just a sure thing just because it's Ben Johnson, because it is a new, completely new situation. You don't have a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown, and you don't have a quarterback right now that plays like Jared Goff even. And then you know, Sam Laporta as well and Jameer Gibbs as well and everything else that team <laughs> has had over the past couple of years. It's been nice in Detroit the past couple of years. So I'm not going to be as high as I think as a lot of other people are just because of the name Ben Johnson.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with that again, rookie quarterback alone is going to be a problem and they do have so many holes to fix still. So it's not just a locked and loaded, like he's going to come in and just be, you know, just change the entire uh, situation that is Washington. But again, I, I think it's a, it's a reason for optimism at least. And if you have, you know, scary Terry, I don't even know about Jahan Dotson at this point, but if you have Terry as much as I'd love to say that there are weapons, there's probably not like, it's just Terry truly. And so th- this might be a full rebuild for, for that team as well. So maybe there's been maybe rumblings that a, Terry
1: wants out no matter what. Yes, too. Yes, so is, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see there. It is interesting. I'm looking at all the other interview requests that they have. Every other one is defensive. So it's Aaron Glenn, uh, Mike McDonald, Raheem Morris, Dan Quinn, Anthony Reaver. Every other one is defensive. So, either they're putting all of their chips into this Ben Johnson basket, or they've got, they've, they're definitely going to do some more interviews, you would think, as well. It doesn't look like they've completed any of theirs as far as the NFL website's telling me right now. So, they've still probably got a little bit to, of, of work to do, and they can't interview, you know, uh, even though they're linked to Ben Johnson, he hasn't even gone in for an interview because the Lions are still playing, and they're going to be playing for another week. So, we'll be, I think the commanders are just kind of in waiting mode right now. Makes sense for them, but um, I, I just, don't want to be too heavily only on just Ben Johnson's already there. You know, like we, there's a lot of other things that could happen sure. here. Maybe Bill Belichick
0: comes here. Yeah. Honestly, I would, I would love for Ben Johnson to go somewhere else if I'm being totally honest. But, right. um, you know, if he ended up there, I think, you know, where. no matter where he goes, I think he's going to have the pick of the litter as long as uh, these teams don't hire beforehand. So I think it will be up to him. I think he's probably the top coaching candidate other than, I guess, Bill Belichick, maybe. But... No, there are four. There are four others I would rather yeah. have. I, I personally, I agree, but I think the name cachet of of Bill still is going to hold some weight in the, in a lot of these front offices. So
1: no, 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 I'm saying Bill is one of those four that I would rather have over Ben Johnson. Oh,
0: okay, okay, interesting, very interesting. Just because yeah, he's a, done it,
1: I'll take Harbaugh, I'll take Belichick, I'll take Vrabel, I'll take Carroll. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, well, I, I want to just like in Dynasty Streets, give me those, give me those
0: old crusty proven guys. I want to touch on this name real quick because I just want to at least shoot it down for now. Uh, Mike Tomlin was the other one that was kind of rumored going into this week that like, oh, maybe he's gonna step away, maybe the Steelers are gonna move on, yada yada yada. I mean, so Tomlin walked out on his interview post game, mid question of you got one year left on his on your contract, and he just walked off stage. So I don't think he's he cares. Like unless the organization makes the change. I, Tomlin has done so much for the Steelers and maybe they do need, you know, a breath of fresh air in that locker room, but he keeps winning with like subpar players. And so if he keeps winning and you know, what was, I think he had, what was this? His 12th, 10 win season, I believe with the Steelers. like it, just ridiculous, just ridiculous. What he's, what he's been able to do consistently year in and year out with the different personalities. When you really look over the career, I think he's sticking around in Pittsburgh, but I'd love to hear your thoughts if you think Tomlin's going anywhere.
1: No, I don't. I think he sticks around as well, but it is interesting, right? Like if it were, if, if he did what he's been doing for the last 10 years in Dallas, he'd have been gone seven years ago. Because hey. he, he he's on the same path of like, he's only won like the one playoff game since I think the last one was like 2017. Yeah. You can't just you can't just keep going 500 and saying it's good enough, especially when you have as much of a hand as you do in the personnel of what your team is building up each and every year. You can't just keep going 500 and saying it's good enough with the lack of personnel that you have a large hand of building as well. So I think I think time's running short but I don't think he's gone either because it is the Steelers, they do everything in house, they're traditionally built he I still I still probably like the organization does think he's an absolutely incredible coach, but maybe it does get to a thing like Bill Belichick. where like, hey, you're only going to be a head coach now and we're going to do other things from your we're going to take these other decisions out of your hands. And I don't know how much, I know that he doesn't have like a Bill Belichick role of determining roster and everything else that goes on in that organization. But he's probably got a lot of say and it, it could be running short there in Pittsburgh, but I don't think it's this year either.
0: Yeah, just a situation to monitor. He'll be obviously a, a huge coaching candidate out there should he no longer have a job. But five
1: head coaches, I'd rather have than Ben Johnson if he does.
0: <laughs> I know I know one of them is is, is Bobby Slowick, and I will get into to him as well, because the Tennessee Titans have interviewed him. Uh, but they are obviously looking around for uh, their their co- their coordinating options and head coaching options. Um, some very interesting candidates have interviewed for this job. Some of them, obviously the, the normal ones, as far as, uh, Ben Johnson, Mike Kafka, which is, I think one interesting one, Brian Callahan, Bobby Slowick, Dan Quinn, Antonio Pierce. These are all requests. I, yeah, a I'm couple a little of them in- completed. I'm a little interested and intrigued the fact that Thomas Brown, the Panthers offensive coordinator, is is getting, you know, some intrigue for head coaching
1: jobs, but um, some very interesting names after you fire a guy like Mike Vrabel to be potentially replacing him on the list.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, Bobby Slowick is the one that kind of pops up, maybe Dan Quinn, but I think there's a lot of a lot of room for improvement in Tennessee. And obviously Derek Henry is not going to be back. Most likely D hop is going to find his way out of that situation. I would imagine, um, a young quarterback, you know, basically year one starter for, for Levis treylon that, th- that team has a, that team has a ways to go. They, 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 it's time for them to just nuke that thing and, uh, and, and full on reset. So Tennessee Titans, not really anyone I'm interested in. Like I, I, I hope a good offensive situation doesn't get like a coordinator doesn't go there. Uh, I mean, Bobby Slowak I think would be a good fit for them, but it's just, I think it's a, we're looking two years down the road. I don't think there's, it's, any it's by here. far
1: my least favorite situation yeah. in the NFL right now. Like they have nothing besides the old age veterans of like the Ryan Tannehill, uh, who's not even really the quarterback. They're going to roll. will Levis out there again. I don't, Uh, this looks this looks about like what the houston texans did two years ago whenever they rolled out davis mills for one more year and will levis feels like he's about probably going to be that this team is going to be awful in my opinion like probably the worst they might have a head coach come in and do the one year thing like the texans did the last two years and just one year fire uh, this is by far the least favorite situation that I have. If I could move off of any Tennessee Titan, even the Tajay Spears that a lot of people want to be hyped up about right now because Derrick Henry's leaving, I, I don't want him either. Um, I don't want anything to do with this entire team. Do not care who's the head coach either, honestly. like I, Even if it's one of like my guys, that leaving, even if it's like Ben Johnson or if it's Bill Belichick, which would just be weird to do that after you fire Mike Vrabel, but whatever, the, whatever the case it is, I don't want anything to do with the Tennessee Titans moving forward.
0: Could not agree more. I I, I could see I can paint myself a picture of Tajay, you know, getting passing like significant check down passing work. But uh, that's about the only picture I can paint that where I'm like, yeah, I could see myself wanting Tajay Spears. Other than that, like that offense, there's too much to even talk about today. So I'm with you 1000% on that. That team is uh, is in shambles right now. So, let's get into probably one of the my favorite places where I want someone to land. And that's going to be Yale Atlanta Falcons. And I feel like no matter as long as it's an offensive-minded head coach, like everyone in the fantasy world is going to lose their ever-loving mind. We we won't even know who's throwing the football to him yet, but everyone's going to just get excited about what could be with this atlanta falcons because they do have weapons they do have young weapons young pieces that are very exciting both for nfl purposes and for fantasy purposes and so if we get the right position you know right right people in place here how much hope do you have for the falcons
1: Probably not as much as everybody else is going to have, but they're already baking in okay. the value, right? Like everybody's already baking in the value to Drake London, to B. John Robinson, to Kyle Pitts that they're going to improve to what they should have been last year and what they should have been the last two or three years under Arthur Smith. The value's already there. So I would say go out and like try to buy some of these guys to buy, buy the dip. jump what you're talking about like whenever they do bring in an offensive coordinator whenever they do bring in even if it's not a offensive head coach just bring in a offensive coordinator who doesn't have like an absolutely disgusting name and everybody's going to like you said lose their minds because of what we've experienced with this offense what everybody in the fantasy community thinks it was supposed to be i would love to buy some of these guys i'd love to be holding some for for that jump and i'd love to go out there and potentially buy some right now but I think everybody's already baking in that value and I'm probably not going to be the one going out and buying. Once it does happen, I'd try to buy, I'd try to poke around and see if I could buy some right now. But uh, once, once it happens, the prices are going to be too high for me to think that it's just definitely guaranteed to happen. Like it should have been happening, or at least like everybody
0: thinks it should have been happening. And they're all such polarizing players as it is. Like, doesn't matter. You know, you talk about London and Pitts and Bijan, like, Everyone just loses their mind with those players because of uh, the prospect profile or what they felt about him at the draft or what could be. And you see Drake London making amazing catches and like, yeah, I, I, I get it. I can understand. But you are absolutely right. Like those, those players are already polarizing enough where as soon as there's hope, like, you know, hope with a head coach it's over. Like then it's like, okay, well I might as well just wait to see who the quarterback is. And then I can really, you know, maximize the value. Like everyone's going to just hold those pieces.
1: The, the hopium already triggered when Arthur Smith got fired. Cause that's all yeah. that anybody's been saying that needed to happen. And everybody's, everything is already fixed right now in most people's minds. It, Arthur Smith was the only problem. Doesn't matter what comes in. Doesn't matter what the quarterback is. Everything's fixed right now. And I think you're already paying the fixed price for assets that are very good. We'll see if they actually are fixed whenever everything settles.
0: Yeah, so the Falcons one, obviously, is, is one of the top jobs out there, I think, with with the pieces that they have and just kind of how that team performed. Uh, so, again, one to monitor as far as who, who actually goes into that situation and kind of what happens next. So then let's get into, I'd say, uh, same division, arguably. Uh, this one is probably my least favorite. Titans probably still tops the list but we'll go with the Carolina Panthers here this is yeah. definitely bottom 3 no doubt i don't know why anyone would i mean someone has to coach this team but like <laughs> I, you, you no top candidates going there no top candidates going there and i think if anyone does like whoever does take that job not if but whoever does take that job they know they got like two years. They might even get one year tops, and they're just, a, yeah, they're just a rental. They're just, you know, all right. We got to have a head coach, and uh, let's see how this goes. Like they're not getting any top candidate. I mean, the guys that they're they've already completed interview with interviews with or even requested. Like I don't know why Callahan would want to go there. What I, I can't even think of anyone. Ben Johnson's not going. Bunking. Like none of these guys want to go there so uh, someone's going to go there like i i i think they may end up just keeping what they have as far as you know with interim head coach uh tabor but i just don't yeah i can't he's going to throw myself. he's
1: going to throw enough money at somebody to go there yeah dude i don't know i don't know like the team just it's bad i mean you you're, you're going to have to come in you're going to tell him that it needs to be a 3 year plan he's probably not going to listen to you and so then you're probably only going to have one year to fix it by the way you yeah. don't have your first because we made one of the worst trades in nfl history potentially as it looks right now oh. trey lance is still worse though but anyway um one of the worst trades you don't have your first and you're going to have to rebuild it adam thielen's now 34 years old or something like that and uh your best wide receiver is jonathan mingo you don't have an offensive line and you don't have a defense and you have a quarterback that's already started we look to be damaged um not a good situation, yeah, but I think he's. it'll be interesting to see who takes the job. I would love, I would absolutely love to see somebody like Mike Vrabel or Bill Belichick go there, which not going to happen more than likely, right? But just get somebody in there who's just going to literally tell him to F off, and I'm going to run it, and you're going to go away. I don't know if Tepper would ever actually hire a guy who's going to do that, because that seems like a very non-Tepper thing to do, but I would love to. That would be the thing that I think would turn around the Panthers the fastest would be if they do hire a guy who's just going to say, "No, we're not doing anything you say. We're going to do it my way, and if you want, you can fire me, and I'll go coach somewhere else because I'll have a job immediately because everybody knows what the situation is."
0: Yeah. I mean, that's probably right,
1: best-case scenario, but it's probably not happening.
0: That's a 1% chance right there. I I <laughs> Some somebody is going to take that job and and honestly just be doing it for the money. Like there, it's like all right, feels like. I know I, know I got one year, of whatever this check is going to be. That's why they want that three year deal. They're like, give me that three year deal, so I know I'm getting paid for the next three. But uh, yeah, tough situation. Someone's going to have to come in there and quote unquote fix Bryce, or at least try to to give him a uh, a little bit better opportunity to be successful. And I just don't know who that's going to be. So rip tough yo <laughs> i was going right, sure to say about that we'll see you false let's get into the raiders here who i i feel like there's only one coach there's i feel like there's only one coach i feel like there, there's only one chance for anybody to be the head coach and that is going to be antonio pierce i i don't know how in this world you can let antonio pierce go i tell me t- tell me a world in which antonio pierce is not the the coach of the raiders Mark Davis is a wild card,
1: and I think he can make the wrong decision. The only way that I think he makes the right decision and somehow salvages it is if it's either like Bill Belichick or it's John Harbaugh. That is is the only two ways that I could see, like even trying to salvage it of just like we've never had the chance to get a coach like this. We would love you to stick around, Antonio. You're not going to because you're already getting head coaching interviews elsewhere, more than likely. But there's just a once in a lifetime opportunity to get this type of head coach in here, and we have to take it. But I'm with you. Like, players are holding out. And I don't think even if they did get one of those two guys, like a big name like that, I still don't think with what has happened to this team before, what they've already gone through with Rich Pisaccia, like we were talking about this one before the show, yeah. this would this would be Rich Pisaccia 2.0, the guy who came in as the interim and all of the players loved. And then they said, nope, we're going to get Josh McDaniels in here. You're all are going to hate him from day one and resent him. And then he's going to try to tell you how to live your lives in a way you don't want to live. That's a good that's a good climate and culture builder right there. Right. Get a guy who's already hated and a guy that's going to make you hate him even more each and every day. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough to do that. And it's going to be tough to guys like Max Crosby, who went through that and have literally said, no, if you bring in anybody else other than our interim head coach that we love, I'm leaving. and I'm demanding a trade. Devonte Adams basically saying the same exact thing. It's going to be tough to not have to, to not hire Antonio Pierce. Yep,
0: yeah, totally agree. I think he's, he's one over, he's, he's earned his opportunity, I feel like. And he, he's performed well this year, coached well, got, got this locker room, got the, the team back on track because that was a very demoralized team midseason. And, uh, good for him. I, I think bottom line, he's going to be an NFL coach no matter what. And, uh, I think it's going to be with the Raiders, but, um, I think he's going to get a head coaching job, no matter what. So, I
1: like the offense too. If they can keep Adams around, they've still got Jacoby Myers, and we'll see yeah, if they can get pieces. That, Samir White has looked good in spurts and relief. Josh Jacobs. They, they they got a young tight end, Michael Mayer, who was coming on late in the season. It's a it's a decent spot. They just need a quarterback that's a little bit more efficient. Yeah, no, Aiden O'Connell served well at times, but they need something better than it.
0: Agreed. I and mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do at quarterback. They they may roll O'Connell right back out there, but yeah um definitely need to make some changes overall as a whole but i don't think it's at the head coaching position so hopefully pierce is back there and good to go chargers is a position or a coaching staff that we have really wanted to change for a while and it finally happened and it sounds like i mean they haven't that they still have to interview and, and, and meet other requirements for their interviews but Uh, It sounds like Jim Harbaugh is like the lead guy like that is who they want to go to the Chargers and they've already completed the interview and at this point it seems like that's who they want and I don't know why Jim Harbaugh would choose I mean he can choose anywhere he wants to go as well get another big name coaching hire who should have his pick of the litter the Raiders rumored to be interested as well. But I think with everything going on in that locker room, as we just discussed, I don't know that that's going to be the best thing for, uh, for the team. What do you think Harbaugh with, with Herbert?
1: It's the most stable head coach they've had in there that I can really ever remember. Um, And I don't really remember too much past the, the Staley (laughs) and the um, I'm forgetting the, the other guy that was there before him right now off top of the head but um oh man i've been also mixing up the names of jim and john harbaugh because i can never keep those two straight but i would i would love i would love this for justin herbert that's basically the main thing right With, with the offenses and the team structure and cultures that jim harbaugh has been able to build with michigan and in the nfl as well would love to see him go back to to California and run this with Justin Herbert, who needs some, term, some long-term stability. It needs a lot of help to rebuild this thing up around him because the team is in awful shape. It's probably not going to be good here for a little while, but you do still have what is supposed to be and is your franchise quarterback already there, and a lot of these other places don't have that. I don't think any of these other places actually have that that we've seen openings in so far that we've talked through. No other place has the quarterback of the caliber that Justin Herbert is right now. And so yeah. you, you have that and you you really just need and it feels like you really do need the overall culture shift and just rebuild of this team dynamic because it feels like it's been run wrong for a pretty long time in la and they yes. do feel like a cursed team as well
0: it Was anthony lynn before that mike McCoy before there. that and uh th- those are the ones that kind of just it just has, hasn't really worked you know 2013 and on so yeah, I, I'm with you. I think this would be a great opportunity. Again, you have a you have the quarterback piece. You have, I think, a decent enough offensive line. I definitely need some improvements across the board on offense. You know, Eckler going to be gone. Uh, Keenan Allen's still under contract. Mike Williams per, perennially unhealthy, and QJ just hasn't done much. So uh, we'll see what they decide to do offensively. But if Jim Harbaugh is the coach, uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be optimistic for this team. Uh, I, I do think it'll be a definite shift and, you know, I, I, I hate for for Herbert to be learning more offenses yet again, but hey, you know what, uh, this, is, this is a much needed change for him and his career tra- trajectory, and I think Harbaugh would be a very good fit for him. So definitely okay with that one. Anything else you want to touch on with the Chargers? Because it doesn't sound like there's anybody else that, I mean, that they are super interested in or linked to.
1: Yeah, we haven't really heard any other names come out. Obviously, Ben Johnson's going to be another one that's probably going to go there sure. and do do his thing, and we'll see if that happens. Everybody would love to see him get paired oh, with yeah. Justin Herbert as well. Um, but I I do think that really that overall culture shift that Jim could probably provide to this team that it feels like they need, I would love to see it. I don't think it's going to be good like year one. Like I think that this would look a lot like not in the same way because of the quarterback situation, but I think this could look a lot like what Sean Payton's currently doing with the Denver Broncos, where he just comes in and starts scrapping everything except for Justin yeah. Herbert because Justin Herbert's not Russell Wilson. But it's just scrapping and <laughs> rebuilding everything and just coming in and saying, hey, this is going to be a like three- to four-year plan to rebuild this organization, get all of my guys in here and revitalize this culture because it just needs an overhaul. I think, I think it could look a lot like that if it does happen here. I'm, I'm excited. Even just wherever Jim Harbaugh goes, hope, I honestly hope that he doesn't go back to college because I want to see good NFL teams and good players and development for talents in the NFL for fantasy purposes and just an overall better NFL level of play. So I really hope he doesn't go back to Michigan. I'd love to see him wherever he goes. I think it's going to be, I would think it's one of the better fits that
0: you could possibly do in this coaching cycle. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, Greg Roman might end up being their their offensive coordinator, so uh, who knows? But yeah, uh, it means he run for a thousand yards like Lamar Jackson, I'll take it. Yeah, that's what Herbert's gonna do. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's dive into the last key one here, and I think this is kind of the most dramatic one: is the Seahawks forcing out move? You know, I it was like a firing slash. We are evolving his job into something different, and it's like okay like it's pete carroll took it as he got fired just such a dramatic situation here talk to me a little bit of your thoughts with pete carroll again let's just go with coaching in the nfl sticking around with the seahawks in some capacity or i just i can't see that happening at this point but uh you think he's going to stick around and keep coaching going forward I
1: don't know if he keeps coaching. I'd be interested to see if he if he starts to get interview requests because I don't think he's got – he hasn't gotten any interview requests yet to this point as far as I'm aware. Does he take them? And that's going to be the first thing that I look for because that determines if he actually still wants to coach somewhere else. Because I still – like you said, he he's come out and said basically that he still wanted to coach this team, and it was not a yeah. the, the decision was not made by football people. I believe is the yeah. kind of <laughs> almost exact quote of what he said about that. So you you can tell there's some bitterness there, but I think he loves the organization so much that he was willing to stay on and do something within the organization as well. Because nothing he said has come out and said like I'm not going to come back in any capacity. Everything he's come out and said, yeah, you know, like. Eventually, we got to the point of like, this was the role I was taking and I'd be fine with it, but I'd be interested once, because uh, I couldn't imagine some teams not just asking around and saying, hey, is Pete available for an interview? Like, I would love to have Pete Carroll come be my head coach for as long as he wants to coach. i would be interested to see if those interviews are accepted and if he if he is, like I said, he would be one of the coaches that I would be very interested to bring into any situation whatsoever.
0: Yeah. The big thing though, you know, is going to be his, his age as, as like when you're looking at an organization, bringing him in, you know, how, how much longer does he plan to actually coach? Is it a one year thing? Is, you know, cause he is what I forgot. How old is he? 70, 73, 73. Yeah. So he's getting up there, you know, uh, he obviously is still doing a very good job, looks great for, for his age, obviously taking care of himself. So if he wants to coach a few more years, but again, are you going to be doing this again in two to three years where you're trying to find a replacement for Pete Carroll? So um, that I think will be a concern for some organizations, but uh, maybe you know a team like, like you mentioned earlier, the Falcons. So a team that's a little bit more stabilized where they're just looking for a fresh head coach to come in bring in their system bring in you know offensive defensive coordinator and maybe they can start making a push in 2024 that might be a more likely scenario versus him taking on a titans or a panthers but uh yes very 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 interested to see how that one pans out and when you're looking at the seahawks side of things they've only submitted a few interview requests and a lot of them are defensive coordinators um i i i, I always mispronounce the name but aziro averro the old De- Denver Broncos defensive coordinator and Panthers defensive coordinator. I would love for him to get an opportunity to be a head coach. Uh, everywhere he's gone, he's he's done incredible things with the defense itself, but he's a big time players coach. Players absolutely love him, but they've interviewed Patrick Graham, which is the Raiders defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, Dan Quinn, of course, which, you know, ties to Seattle and their heyday and Frank Smith, the offensive coordinator for the Dolphins. So they've only submitted a few requests it makes me feel like they're looking at one candidate in mind, which is Dan Quinn. Yeah. But I don't know that that fixes Seattle. So it's a very, it's a, it's a weird situation for both Pete and for Seattle right now.
1: It's, it's an interesting one because I think there's a correlation between what we're seeing in the Patriot system and what we're seeing in Seattle, at least from like the organizational level of saying like, Hey, are, how much longer are you really going to be around and wanting to go in and do this? The difference though is like the Patriots are obviously going into a full rebuild, and the Seattle Seahawks are still a decently good football team who've just kind of underperformed towards the end and haven't gotten into the playoffs or haven't gotten in, you know, to to take that next step. So I don't know why you're kicking out Pete Carroll. So what you can't rebuild the Seahawks right now with where they're at, in my opinion, with DK Metcalf, with JSN, with Tyler Lockett still there. Like, I feel like everything is still there to try to keep trying to make this run. But from the organizational level of kicking out Pete Carroll, it feels like they're going to try to take it into a rebuild. That does actually give me some concern for Geno Smith long-term here. If they're actually just going to take this thing and try to burn it to the ground and restart. I don't know. Maybe it's the, you know, those football people uh, looking at it a little bit of a different way and maybe not making Decisions that we see is, you know, making sense from the outside. It'll be interesting to see what they do from the head coach, though. This is one of my one of my most interesting teams to look forward to, because I think that what, a lot of what they do throughout the offseason is going to give us a lot about what this team looks like over the next two years. And it does actually give me some concern for Geno Smith being the starter for 2024.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the starter for 2024. I think that the Seahawks are in a place where if they do bring in a quarterback, you're talking about a mid first, mid second type of situation, unless they decide to move up. Uh, Definitely possible, definitely possible. But this team is still in a position to be competitive. Like they're not, they, they obviously have holes, but I don't think it's as drastic. I think, you know, offensively, they maybe need to make some sort of changes maybe bringing in a defensive minded head coach and just having a young upcoming offensive coordinator coming in, letting them have free reigns with this offense could be very interesting. Like there's definitely skill players in this offense and skill players on the offensive side of the ball. That would lead you to believe that this team can, can be a, a very good offense, but the Seahawks have traditionally won through defense and that's where the focus is. Again, I, I don't know if if it is Dan Quinn. We kind of have an idea of how this is going to look. But when it comes right. to some of these other guys, I think there's a lot more mystery. But yeah, D- Dan Quinn uh, coming in and just kind of trying to relive the legion of boom days will be. Can we get Dan Quinn as head coach and Mike McCarthy as OC? Oh, please no. No, please, no, Kellen, Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore. You want to come to Seattle? You know, oh, you to come up there,
1: man. I would love to see those two just pair off and just break away from the Cowboys if they do end up
0: firing. Could you? Like, could you guard imagine? These. Could you? They imagine? just switch roles? Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, that'd make me happy. Shouldn't and happen.
1: Actually, and shouldn't happen, good, but like, it would make me happy. I would honestly like the scheme and the pieces around it would actually probably fit pretty well. Like I'd actually be pretty excited for that offense. Most people wouldn't, but with the offense that they've been running there in Dallas, it looks a lot like the only thing that they're missing in Dallas right now is a pounder like Kenneth Walker to run (laughs) alongside of Tony Pollard. And now you've got Zach Charbonnet and you've got Kenneth Walker there, like actually like talking about it. They just need to tight end there. That's the only piece that they're really missing because they just use this kind of, Cumulative again, production thing from a lot of guys get one tight end in there that looks a lot like it does in Dallas.
0: Honestly, like if they re-sign Noah Fant, and I i know Noah Fant like production-wise hasn't been great, but like the 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 talent slash athleticism is there. With what the that s- system in Dallas has done with tight ends in general, like people would be super excited if they just decided to use one tight end in Seattle, like just one, whoever it is. I don't care. It can be Noah Fant. It can be name a tight end, but. I think people will be like, wow, this, this tight end for Seattle is actually valuable in fantasy. He's going to be a top 24 option. That's all you can ask for right now.
1: Man, I am talking myself more and more into this. The more <laughs> we go through it, I really want this to happen now.
0: It's late. We're delusional. That's what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we wanted to run through that. I think the big thing to kind of keep in mind, again, we we touched on it earlier, is these situations do matter. Again, the, 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 you can look at the team situation and kind of paint a picture of, of how things could adjust. But uh, the the head coaching changes are going to be significant. The offensive coordinators that get tied to this for fantasy purposes are going to to matter. So you can kind of have an idea of what system these new teams are going to be running. Um, and, and so keep those types of things in mind as you're looking at this, and and maybe take some bets. You know, there's no one right now that we can say yes, take a bet on this player because this is going to change because we don't fully know yet. Other than New England and I mean go ahead go go get yourself some some uh DeMario Douglas if, if that's what you want to do if they, if you think that's going to be the difference maker for you in the future but right now there's no like wholesale changes um, but you'll have a better idea as the offseason goes on you might be able to t- find some players that you can buy um on the low or just buy as 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 someone that you're willing to invest in and take a take a, a shot on them having a bump this upcoming year
1: yep just keep track of the narratives because As much as they do matter, more than likely fantasy community is gonna overreact to it. Wherever Bill Belichick goes, everybody's gonna hate the offensive weapons because it's been sucky, it's been awful in New England for the past couple of years. More probably regardless of what he does at OC. It's just gonna suck. He he takes a quarterback. He there's no way he could develop the quarterback, and then they bury the quarterback. I'm not gonna be that reactionary. But I'm also, I'm just not going to live on either extreme probably whenever these things happen. I'm just going to try to play the rest of the market. And if everybody gets really high on just because of the situation that's coming in, probably fade that one. And if it's really, really low because of the situation coming in, I'll probably start to try to buy some of those situations. So just be atten- pay attention to it. It's narrative season for the next eight months, and so there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to happen, a lot of stuff that we can't predict going into 2024. Just just look back at what we saw this year. The Rams were going to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes there now. They finally got eliminated, but they were a playoff team. Houston Texans were going to be bottom five again. They're now one of the last eight teams in the league. Everything changes so much year to year, and we are so wrong about so many of the predictions that we have for all of these teams laid out in the offseason. So just, uh, you know,
0: don't believe the hype. Yep, totally agree. There are going to be buy windows, sell windows. So just things to watch out as as narrative season rolls on. Uh, Make sure you are part of Destination Debbie. Make sure you go over to DestinationDebbie.com. Find a tier that is best for you. And if you can get into that Heisman and DTI5 tier, you have got to do it. Best place in fantasy. This is the time to join because it will this is where you shape your rosters. This is when you really learn as much as you possibly can get a leg up on your league mates and go out there and dominate the off season. So you can win your league. And uh, this will be the place to do it again, nonstop access to the content creators, additional amas different recordings things like that all your questions answered directly from the community as well so an incredible place to be especially as you uh try to improve your skills as a dynasty manager so make sure you tap in there thank you so much for joining us here on the overreaction podcast